0: But we're in the book of Galatians, we've been here for the last six weeks and today once again Galatians chapter 5 and we're just, I hope we come out of this series uh, learning the, the beautiful fruit of the Spirit uh, which begins with the fruit of the Spirit is, according to Paul here in, Rom, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we come today to this beautiful fruit of goodness in this beautiful list of character attributes. And really, that's what this series is about. It's about character. It's about the fact that when Jesus comes into our lives, our character is being transformed. You know, we talk around a lot here today about life transformation through following Christ? Well, is our character being transformed? It should be, because if we're walking with Christ, He's constantly, His Spirit is constantly moving us to being people that maybe we weren't known for our love, but now we do love. People not known for their joy, but now there's joy. People that not known for peace, we now have peace. Uh, Whether it's a blended family or whatever situation we're in, and I just appreciated that little video too, because I was thinking, you know, it doesn't matter, blended family or not, we all need grace right we all need to learn how to get along with each other and love each other and all of this comes out in the fruit of the spirit so practical so beautiful we come to this idea of goodness what is goodness and the problem right off the bat is the fact that we use good in so many relative ways you know Uh, someone tells us about a good restaurant they went to so we go to it and we go eh, you know not so good (laughs) or somebody says oh this was a good movie and so we go see it we go ah, you know I don't know I mean, there's such a relativity to good. Some people call good one thing and other people call good another thing. And so there's this diversity that happens when it comes to goodness so what what is it about goodness that we can agree about and that's what we want to look at today in terms of scripture now a little quick uh, new testament greek word study here Uh, there's three words primarily in the new testament that talk about good okay the first word is kalos and uh, kalos is if you want to just take notes on this you could just say this is uh, it looks good okay you could just write that down it looks good it's an aesthetic goodness Uh, It appears, it has a a beautiful, without defect kind of uh, uh, idea to it. When Jesus talked about the good soil, or the tree that was good, or when Paul talked about the law being good, or a good soldier in Christ Jesus, even when Jesus said he was the good shepherd, he was saying there all of those terms are the kalos good, which means attractive, compelling, it looks good, it's aesthetically good. And then there's another word, and we didn't say this last week, but it's the word Christotase, which is also translated kindness. We talked about kindness last week, and this word, Christotase, is also translated good at times in Scripture, like in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And there, the, the, the idea is, that not only does it, does it look good, but it, it feels good. There's a sense of, I, I taste of this. I see that there's, there's a goodness. There's, a, there's something that is pleasing about this thing that I call good. But when we come to the word that Paul uses here in Galatians 5, which is not kalos, not Christotes, he uses the word agathos. And the word agathos is a, is a much more, it's a, it's a beautiful word, it describes beauty, it describes the feeling, it's the, it looks good, it feels good, but if you're taking notes, you just say it is good. There, there's an inherent goodness to agathos. And the idea here, what Paul is saying is that when we become followers of Christ and the Spirit of God lives within us, there's an inherent goodness that dwells. There's a deep down, there's a thorough goodness, there's, a, uh, th- there's the reality of goodness that, watch this, it's a moral picture, it's, uh, th- it's a goodness that not just good for goodness sake, but it's a good that actually benefits others, you get that? Good, okay, good. <laughs> this word agathos, beautiful word, um, it's, it's holiness in action, it's why do you call me good, Jesus said None is good but God alone there's only one agathos there's only one separated from all the rest that is truly truly good this is the word that Paul uses here in Galatians 5 agathos and and in its adjective form agathosune it describes an uprightness of heart and life it describes a person who actually brings about change goodness for the benefit of others so, perhaps confronting someone about a sin in their life is agathos, because it's good for the sake of somebody's life, or giving to the poor, or providing for one's children, or counseling with a friend, or praying for an enemy. Expressions of goodness are limitless in Scripture Because true goodness, agathos, is good for the sake of others. It's whatever we can do to bring life and encouragement and hope into someone's life. That is agathos. Now, I'm going to give you three reasons as I study Scripture and we look at this picture all through the Bible. I want to give you three reasons why God wants to give us his goodness. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, he wants us to have his goodness. Now, why? Three reasons why, if you're taking notes. Number one, God wants us to be full of goodness because he is good. He wants us to be full of goodness because that's who God is. Now, we say this a lot. God is good all the time, right? You ever heard that? And then you say all the time. Good, yeah, you guys, are, are you awake this morning? Is it? It's a, <laughs> I'm gonna stir you up here a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, we say that, but... It's true. When we say God is good, we're saying that really the only one in the universe truly is inherently good. And he allows us to participate in his goodness. Now we're going to look at the scriptures right now. We're going to look at the Old Testament uh, in the book of uh, Uh, psalms that describe the character of God. And this word in the Old Testament, the word good, the equivalent uh, for agathos in the Old Testament is the word tov, which is uh, the same idea, this inherent goodness that only God truly, truly possesses. And let's just look at some of these Beautiful places. And I want you to take notice of how God's goodness is for the benefit of others. And we'll kind of, you know, parse this out a little bit. But let's read these out loud together. Are Ready? Here we go. Psalm 25, 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. You got that? All right. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Psalm 86, 5. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Psalm 100 and verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 118:1. 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then Psalm 145, 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Now. What I wanted you to see in all of those phrases where it talks about the goodness of the Lord is not just good for goodness sake. God is actually doing some beautiful things. God's goodness is an actionable trait. I want you to write that down. God's goodness always manifests itself in action, okay? And think about the many beautiful things God does for us based upon that list. These are beautiful things. Look at this. He instructs sinners. Why? Because he's good, Psalm 25 Eight. He is a place of refuge, why? Because he is good, Psalm 34, eight. He lovingly forgives sins, why? Because he's good, Psalm 86, verse five. He is faithful to those who are good. And then Psalm 118, his love never ends because he is good. And then Psalm 145, nine, he is compassionate to everyone because he is good. So God's goodness, well all I want you to see here is that God's goodness is actionable. It's not just an ethereal, not just an attraction, not something that just looks good. There's something inherently good about God that always manifests itself in doing for others. And he's done for us. Beautiful things. Now, what does that do for us? It compels a response. It compels a response. God's goodness compels a response. And you know what our response is to God's goodness? We come to him. We come to him. Now, the difference between God and us, of course, is that God is inherently good all the time. We, he shares, he gives us the opportunity to share in his goodness, but we're not good all the time, are we? Ask the person next to you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, not, we're not good all the time. But God is good all the time. God's goodness never stops flowing. You know, we look around our world today. We see, we, you know, the news pops on yesterday. You know, Pittsburgh, oh my goodness. And then all week long, we've been talking about this bomber, you know, the pipe bomb guy, and that picks him up in Florida. I mean, these are radical things, but that just reminds us that we live in a world saturated in anything but goodness. And wouldn't it be great if a little bit more of the goodness of God sort of flowed into our culture and into our world and into our families and into our society and into our homes and into our churches? And the reality is, It's not only possible, it's inevitable if we know Jesus because he shares with us goodness. That's so beautiful. So the response is that we come to him. Why? We come to be instructed in righteousness. We come to find refuge. We come to be forgiven. We come knowing he's available to us. We come for his love. Because we need love. We come to receive compassion because we're wounded and hurt so often. We come to offer our thanks to Him because we are made to worship Him. These are all the things that compel us to come to God. Now, the beautiful thing is, this is true of the life of Jesus too. Remember when Peter was speaking to Cornelius? Uh, Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. And so often we show stuff on the screen. I think it's good for you to just open your Bible too. And so let's look at uh, Acts chapter 10 just for a minute, verses 37 through 39. And remember Peter there is talking to Cornelius. He's giving him sort of a sweeping summary of the life of Jesus. Look at Acts 10 beginning in verse 37. He says to Cornelius, he says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea beginning in Galilee, After the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around, what? Doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him, and we are witnesses of everything he did. So here's a question. What did Jesus do that was good? (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Everything Jesus did was good. His teaching stems from his goodness. His his acceptance of people stems from his goodness. His awareness of need stems from his goodness. His training of the twelve stemmed from his goodness. The words of rebuke he gave to those who needed it stem from his goodness. His response to trials and temptation stems from his goodness. All of this, his resurrection, everything stems from the goodness of our Lord. Now, Satan has done a real con on people because what Satan has done is he's conned people to think that God isn't good. Have you noticed that? Have you talked to anybody recently who said, I don't think God is good because look at the junk that happens in my life. Every week I talk to people who have either said that to me or say that someone has said that to them. And the problem is Satan is great at switching the price tags, isn't he? He's great at telling people that God isn't good because of the world that we live in. But the reality is that the world isn't good because of Satan's influence in the world. And because of the the birth of sin in the world. Sin and Satan's work is what makes this world not a good place. But God gets the blame. And isn't that crazy? It's such a strange irony. And we just adopt it so quickly because as sinners... We tend to not see things very clearly, and so we can assume that when trouble is in my life, God must not be very good. But when you study the scripture, you discover that sometimes God allows trouble in our life for the very purpose of his goodness, so that we will be drawn close to him. He's trying to pull us out of all the garbage and bring us close to himself. And yes, he's going to use suffering, trial, problems, temptation, all kinds of radical stuff in our lives, and if we just listen for his spirit, these are all things calling us to him, calling us home, his goodness. He's a refuge in place of trouble. So the reason why he gives us his goodness is because he is good. And that's a good place to start. But there's something else here that's even more Practical, and that is the fact that God wants us to be full of goodness because others need His goodness. Others need His goodness. Boys, it's true. Look around. Look around. Everywhere in our society, there's this great need for people to experience the goodness of God. Think about your family, neighborhood, workplace, friendships, society in general, politics, in the church. Everywhere you look, God's goodness is needed. So sometimes I ask myself the question, what kind of good are we sharing with the people that are around us? I mean, and and this is a really important question. It shouldn't just be a hypothetical. It's like, well, what what if three crosses didn't exist? What if this facility right here, 20600 John Drive, did not exist? Would it make any difference in our community? And my guess would be is that it would make a difference if we weren't here because we've made a difference in our community. But let's not be so quick just to move off that and say, Is, have we done enough? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people that don't even know exist. Well, I talked to, I remember a while back, I talked to someone who lived over here in the apartments. We were going around just trying to get to know our neighbors a little bit. And um, I, I literally, the, at the door, someone comes to the door, right here at these apartments, right outside of our gate. And I said, hi, I'm the pastor at the Three Crosses Church right, over the, right up the hill there. And they go, oh, really? Where's that? They didn't even know. <gasps> I think, are you kidding me? And they actually got a little interested. They said, how do I get there? <laughs> I, said, I said, let me just pray over you right now. You know, it's just like, walk out your door, walk up the hill. You know, just like crazy stuff. But, you know, I think there are a lot of people that really don't know that we exist and the reason why they don't know we exist is because there's never been goodness that they've experienced that have come from us. Now, that can be true in the macro, but it, let's let's also think about this. Would your neighborhood miss you if you weren't around? Would there be a sense of like where did where did Larry, you know, as soon as Larry and Carla left, as soon as they moved out of our neighborhood, you know, things just went like, we didn't realize how much good they brought. Like, could I say that about my neighborhood? That there would be that sense of like, oh, you know, like, we're happy for you. You're moving, but please don't move because you make such a difference in our neighborhood. Now, that's, that's a really, you know, this would be a great little talking point for your own family or your marriage or uh, among uh, the people in your life around the coffee table here or in your small group this week is like, what kind of good are we bringing to the people around us? Would they even miss us if we weren't around? And if the answer is no, they wouldn't, then I would suggest that actually we're not living out what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? Good deeds, that's agathos, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let people see the good that God has given to you, the way you are a neighbor, the way you are a friend, the way you serve, the way you communicate. That's one of the reasons why I love our Cross Streets ministry. I think it's sort of the flagship, really, of the community. When, when you think about people that are touched in our community, people that are marginalized, people that are hungry, people that feel like you know, they're kind of put off or whatever, I think of our Cross Streets ministry because I think of there's so many people in our community that are touched by it. Um, I think of, you know, a while back, and this is, I don't know if you even know this, but there was a guy on Redwood Road. He was a homeless guy. He was always on the bench right there in front of that Genghis restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? Redwood Road. A lot of you are shaking your heads because you know and you saw him. And I talked to him a couple of times. I, one day I said, man, I've got to meet this guy. Pulled over. His name is Raymond. And we talked a little bit. I asked Raymond if he was hungry. Could I get him some food? He said he was fine. I mean, he was, he was really a friendly, nice guy. Um, I offered him to buy coffee. He said, no, I've, I'm actually doing really good. You know, and so I gave him a card to our Cross Streets ministry. Do you know you can have a shower once a week? You can come and get a meal if you'd like to on a Saturday or if you need some clothes. You know, he always wore these heavy, heavy clothes. And then, I don't know if you know this. You haven't seen him there for a while, haven't, have you? Because He died. Yeah, he died in the spring. And the interesting thing was um, someone, one of the fire department uh, people that responded to him, he had a heart attack right there at the bench. And went down, and somebody that pulled over said that I knew him. I don't know how they knew that. but So the fire department called me because they didn't have any next of kin. They didn't know his last name. I didn't know his last name. And I was shocked to hear this because I had prayed for Raymond. Every time I saw him, many of you prayed for him. And here's what the fire department told me. They said, we have never stopped for somebody in public where so many people stopped and asked if he was okay. Because so many people saw Raymond in our community. And I thought, wow, you know, there, there is a lot of good. There are people that have a true heart of goodness. And Raymond commented to me on a couple of occasions, both times I talked to him, he talked about how people would stop and ask him how he was doing. I thought, that's beautiful. You know, I don't know where Raymond stood spiritually. And I didn't actually ever, you know, sit down and ask him if he understood the gospel. And the first thing I thought of when I was talking to the fire department was, wow, I wonder if he was saved. And why didn't I take a few minutes and talk to him about his faith? I didn't do that. Those are just reminders to us. You know, that the goodness, goodness kind of falls short if we don't go all the way with people on what's really good in our lives, right? So, I don't know. I think about cross streets. Let's look at some principles here that might help. Goodness always involves a particular way of behaving, okay? That's what this agathusune means, it's, it, there's a behavior idea. There's a moral implication to it. And so it's not just action. It's a particular kind of action. And so it, put in a principle, goodness is all about behaving decently toward others. And when I think about Raymond, I think about people who actually behave very decently toward Raymond. Um, but I said, you know, Satan changes the price tags, and you know, the book of Isaiah, the fifth chapter, verse 20 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Uh, there's There's a switch over in our culture where things that are evil are called good, and things that are good are called evil. And that's just a crazy thing, but that's the reality of our culture. And that's why God says in the book of Amos, he says, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. And so he's talking there about Israel, how it had turned its back and really had stopped doing good. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Micah 6.8, beautiful verse. What is good? To walk humbly before God, to, love, to act justly and to love mercy. You know, you look around at our culture, I think of a couple things that are just really practical. I think, I think of the Me Too movement, you know? I think of that emerged because of the fact of The ugly reality that politicians, bosses, supervisors, clergy, people who are entrusted with privilege and great responsibility often use their positions of authority to to hurt people, women in particular. Uh, Goodness preserves decent behaviors around those of the opposite sex. Uh, When there's love, it's pure love. When there's Goodness, it's true goodness. Listen to what Paul says to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. Each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that, is, and, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Me Too movement has begun because of people who take advantage of the opposite sex. And I think that that's a tragedy. That's not behaving decently. Um, I think of the prevailing winds of racism in our country. How terrible. I mean, whether it's the shooting in Pittsburgh that has to do with, you know, the Jewish, and not necessarily a race, but the, the, the people group of, of the Jews. But I, all members of society, color, people of color. I'm, I'm so ashamed at the way uh, our, our culture has treated people of color. And it's, it's a little bit disingenuous probably for those of you that are, have color uh, for, to hear a white person talk about that way. I met, I met with my pastor friend Will Yancey this week, uh, African-American man, beautiful man, and we had a very frank, open conversation about racism in our country. and and talked about that very openly. And it was a beautiful conversation. And I just admitted to him, I said, and I've got my own little story of how God has given me a a, a love for those who are not of my color. Um, And it goes back to when I was in high school and some of the things that went on on my high school campus and how I felt very threatened. Uh, Ours was the first high school that went through uh, desegregation. Um, And so there was a lot of racial tension on my high school growing up. We had riots, we had campus closures, and there was a few times where I I was in a a position where I could have started hating people that were of uh, African-American descent, and and the Lord just turned my spirit around on that completely, and now I have such a great love for and such an embarrassment over the way white people have treated in the history of America the way white people have treated black people, and I, I am just, I'm astounded by that and embarrassed by that and I always feel like I just almost owe an apology, you know, when I talk to my African-American friends. Because I feel like it's such a, an injustice. But we know, living in our country, that racism has, is far from being over, right? And, and so, th- th- I'm just saying, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that goodness does. Goodness addresses those kinds of things. Here's some words that speak of decency in the way we treat others. Respect, honor, encouragement love graciousness politeness truth acceptance humility forgiveness patience diplomacy modesty courtesy we could go on Matthew 7:12 here's the best way to capture it from what Jesus said so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets Matthew 7:12 isn't that good? I love that. Now, just, just so we see that decency goes all throughout the Scriptures, especially throughout the New Testament, look at all the ways that God tells us to treat each other with decency. I'm going to rattle off a bunch here. But John 13, 34, love one another. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another. Romans 14, 13, stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Romans 16, 16, greet one another. 1 Corinthians 1, 10, agree with one another. Galatians 5, 13, serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2, be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another. Ephesians four thirty two be kind and compassionate toward one another. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another. Colossians three sixteen teach and admonish one another. 1 Thessalonians five eleven encourage one another. 1 Peter 3.8, live in harmony with each other. 1 Peter 4.9, offer hospitality to each other. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, clothe yourselves with humility toward each other. Is that incredible? Those are all decent behaviors that we are to model before each other. And I just think that, that we can all grow a bit more in that area of our lives, that goodness is not just for goodness sake, it looks good, it feels good, but it is good, because it issues forth in a, in a, in a conduct change. All right, so why does God want us want to give us his goodness? Because number one, say it with me, he's good, thank you, one of you got that, he is good. <laughs> and secondly, because others need it. <gasps> Others need it. Let me give you a third reason. Because he will bless us for it. He will bless us for it. Uh, Let's close our time by looking at Galatians chapter 6. You have your Bible? Let's go over there. Galatians chapter 6. You're in 5. Just turn a page. Verse 9. This is so amazing. Let us not become weary in doing what? Good. Good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, two really important things there. Let me just give you the big overall picture. We may get tired and want to give up when doing good for others. I think some of us might be tired. We're tired of doing good. You know, that person that you've been investing in, you haven't seen a whole lot of fruit there, and you kind of go, I'm sick of this. (sighs) Let's be honest. There's a family member that's just driving you crazy, and you've been trying to do good for them, and they're not seeing it, they're not responding to it, they're kind of pushing it away, and so you're going, the heck with you. You know, you're just going to say, forget it. You're just tired of it. Or there's that person at work, and you've tried to do good to them, and they've not noticed it, they've just taken advantage of you. All kinds of reasons why we get tired of it. And and when we get tired, we want to give up. But this passage says, if you're taking notes, this passage says two really important things. Number one, don't stop doing good, even when you get tired. Don't stop doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time. Why does God want us to not stop doing good? Because we will reap a harvest at the proper time. The word time there, by the way, in verses uh, 9 and 10 of Galatians 6, there's two same words. The word time there, proper time, that's kairos. And then in verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, guess what? That's where, that word is kairos too. Two different. What does kairos mean? There's two words for time in the, in the Greek language. There's chronos which is the ticking of the clock, like some of you are looking at right now. Larry's going to have to be finished pretty quick here. (laughs) That's Kronos. Kairos is a moment. It's a significant placement. And God says, "Don't, don't be weary of doing good for at the proper Kairos At the proper moment, God has for you. He's going to bless you. He's going to bring a harvest to your life. And that's why you should not give up. Because it's it's around the corner. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. And you're you're convinced it's not going to happen. But God says, hang in there. Stay. Because it's coming. But then... Not only should we not stop doing good because we're tired, but number two, seize the opportunities that arise for doing good. He says in verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, this is the same word, kairos. Since we have moments where God opens up an opportunity for us, we should take them. We should seize them. Watch this. Because if you don't take those, you can guarantee there won't be a harvest. (laughs) Doesn't that make sense? You know, if you don't take the opportunity, you can definitely say there will be no harvest here. But if you take the opportunity, then in the proper time, not your time, but in the proper time, God's going to bring about a harvest. God's going to bring something about out of that goodness that you were about ready to let go of that you didn't let go of. I love John Wesley theologian, pastor of the 18th century, he said, and he was known for saying this, I put it on the screen, this is so great. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you ever can. <laughs> Isn't that good? And that's what, that's what being good is about. It's doing good, whenever you can, to whomever you're around. You know, this week, some of us are going to make a kairos difference in somebody's life because we stopped and we did good for them. And I want you to look for those opportunities. That's your homework this week, and my homework too. Where can we bring good? Not just a feeling, but where we actually help somebody with our decent behavior and if you've been touched by someone's decent behavior then you've been transformed and today the thing that might be impeding that in your own life is that you've never experienced the true goodness of God by receiving his love for you personally and I want to invite you to do that right now if you've never opened your heart to Christ This is the place that God brought you so that you might say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Let's go to the Lord right now.